My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, welcome back to the Sunday Talk podcast with Father Christopher Vercura, the chaplain at the Catholic Campus Ministry at the University of Mary Washington in Fredericksburg, Virginia. In today's episode, Father Vercura discusses the unique nature of Christian marriages. He explains the root of marriage in the church and the sacrament of matrimony, creating a unique bond that is blessed by God. Christian marriages are distinct in that they are focused on the gift of the self in service of the other. Relationships are based on the one who loves, in that it must be freely given and produces new life. We can be loved by God more deeply through the ways we love our spouse. Stick around to learn the key to successful relationships and ultimately marriages. Here, my friends, is Father Vicar. All right, let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Are you too comfortable? I mean, very. All right. I just wanted to make sure. I was. This will be a one and done over here. All right, so we are on, uh, we have, I think we have two more, what, when does this end? Is two more weeks? Two more weeks, okay. I'm counting down the days. Uh, two more after? Okay, two more after. So uh, the, the last one actually will be interesting because I have, I'm going to go through what actually the wedding prep uh, process is um, and have questions because people always have questions about that. Uh, all right, so tonight we're discussing how to date to truly discuss mar- uh, to discern marriage. Last week we spoke about more formal dating. We're going to take a stop in the middle to look at three articles that I'll mention. Is it three or two? All right, two articles. Um, wait, three articles uh, that get into like the situation, one of the situations that limits why it is that so many young people are fearful of getting married. You've noticed the ages are getting older and older and older. We're getting married. Most people, I mean, I've seen couples when they come in, and uh, the longest I've seen is a 20-year engagement, which I said was, I said to the guy, I thought they were kidding. And uh, I, I, the guy said, we've been engaged for 20 years. I said, kept a poker face, but inside I'm like, seriously? I mean, like, yeah. Here's the thing. Well, here's the thing. So I, then I thought, okay, did they break up in the middle? So I said, did you ever break up? And they said, yes. So in my head, I'm like, ah, that's the reason. He said, we broke up for six weeks in high school. And, I was like, and they were 40. They were 40 years old. So they got married. Who knows where they're at now? Probably still celebrating their wedding night, I guess, 15 years later. because they're Okay. So let's remember the five signs of any good friendship or dating relationship. So these are five things that we should have. You probably forgot them, but I went over them the first. Um, I went over them the first talk that we had, and then I reviewed them because any good relationship. Take care, Claire. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> the five signs. It's always good to make it awkward. Okay. <laughs> so the five signs of a good. So I, I, let's see if you guys can remember what the five signs. What would be 
And these aren't like essentials for a relationship that would be at any long-standing friendship or dating relationship. They would be. Yeah. Respect. Okay, that would be nice. It's not on my list of five, but... <laughs> All right, should I get... Maybe I should give one so that you guys know the kind of ones that I'm talking about. Okay. The first is permanent, that it would be long-lasting. It's the things that would show that... I don't know if that helped you at all. All right, who wants to take a stab? So we're, we're over one. We can go up from here. Would you like to take another stab, Faith? <laughs> now, not that respect is a need. These are more, I mean, those, I mean, there are many qualities that are needed. These would be the things that you would have to have in order for a relationship to continue. So it needs to be permanent. It needs to be exclusive. Okay. One would be that it would be said another way, it would be a chosen relationship. So in marriage, it would be an exclusive relationship, but in a friendship, you're not forced into a friendship. You choose your relationships. So it would be a long, so think of your longest standing friend. Okay, think about right now. How long? Uh, 12 years? Something like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Here we are. Oh, here we are. Look at that. Are you guys there? Exactly. There it is. How long? There's a chair next to him. I think he knows that. Yeah, someone really liked it because I realized someone busted one of our chairs, the second one. So someone was really liking our love chair. Uh, I want to find out who that is. I'm going to say, where's the 70 bucks for the next chair? So, the second thing is it's chosen. So, how did you guys meet? No clue. Oh. No clue. I mean, do you remember? It's been too long. I don't remember. All right, well. Catholic Mass. Catholic friendship. So, usually, I mean, unless you meet. So, how old were you then? That may be it. Was you were young guys. Uh, like. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. All right. So we're not talking about. I mean, that you've made as a friend. You're not I thinking think about we that. Are. <laughs> 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 Twelve years ago. You're right. I was just thinking. I was. I was trying to. So when you make a friend a little bit older, usually you're like, "This is a good person. I, I want. I want to get to know this person better." So you make some kind of inroad with them. You know, send a. You know, a leaf over their way or a letter or something, you know. To, With kids, it's about the toys that the other one the toys of the other one or the families introduced. The third, what would be another thing you need? So you've chosen, it's permanent. What else do you need to know? Once you get to into a relationship, you need to... Follow up. All right, yes, but let's make it a little broader. How, when you get, what do you need to do when you uh, oh. start finding out about someone? You find... <laughs> you find the knowledge of another. You got to find out about them. So any good friendship or a someone who's going to get married, you know the other person well. You should know the ins and outs. So like if I went to Geo and Allie, let's see here. We'll do like the the dating game, okay? What is Allie's favorite color? Is that well, true? That was Okay, so you knew that. All right. Well, what's a harder one? 
What day is it? Well, this is one I always like to ask because <laughs> the guy usually doesn't know it. In fact, it happened, we had, uh, who was it, a couple weeks ago. Does anyone remember Caitlin Gloria? Don't whisper it to him. Uh-uh, I'm just telling All right, so here's the question. Now, don't say it. I, I don't want you to say it, but just say yes or no if you know this. Do you know the day of the week you went on your first date? The woman always knows, and the guy knows, like, what week it was. He's like, so, okay, Gio, what, 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 when do you think the first date was? What's your guess? When it was? Yeah. I believe it was in February. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's narrowing down to the month. Do you know when it was? Yeah, it was on a Friday in February. Oh, okay. So that always, do you know the first date? We were just talking, we probably have different ideas of what the first date was. I think I was in the relationship before she was, so. (laughs) You were like, this is just friendship. Right, right, I was was a step ahead. Okay, here's the thing. It's good to know dates, gentlemen. The women never forget them. So, in fact, we had an alumni, uh, alumna come in and she was there, she introduced me. She introduced me to her, her boyfriend, and I. She goes. I said, "Well, it was Caitlin Valoria." When she, were you there when I said this to her? I'm not sure. Okay. She said, "This is Henry, my boyfriend." Was it Henry? It doesn't matter. Okay. I've never. Oh, oh, you weren't there then. She came in, and I said, "Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that." And she goes, "What?" You know. And then I said, "Do you know when the first date was?" And he said, "Yeah, I think it was Tuesday." And she goes, "It was Wednesday." And I'm like, "There it is." He was in the range. But the thing is, the knowledge of the other goes a long way. You, you need to know things about the other. So, Allie, what, what is something in general, not about you, that annoys Gio? That does he that doesn't go over well with him. Okay. No, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty much when we were like when we were like going somewhere. She's like, wait, where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> but see, this is the thing. When you know, it's the same with a good friend. Like if I said to you, what's his favorite food? Steak. Okay. Is that true? I like a lot of food. Okay. <laughs> what? Well, that's true. Well. Some guys eat anything, right? He just eats yep. Is he picky? Yes. He's very picky. <laughs> and cinnamon and caramel, that's the only thing I will eat anything that's else but that. Okay. <laughs> so, the nice thing is, and this is actually a fun thing to do when you're sitting with friends, is to ask questions like that. Now, you don't probe like the, like the worst thing, but like to ask things like favorite food or, you know, uh, you know, favorite music to see if they really know something about the other person. You'd be surprised the number of times either people do know or don't know. But in a good relationship, you should ask questions about the other person. And and you don't need to do it like the Inquisition, but you can bring it up slowly. Like, hey, what do you like? You're eating dinner and you see the person like barely eating. You can probably say, you know what? We're not going back to this place again, or I'm not making this food again. What's a food that Eric doesn't like? Is there anything you've ever made that he was like, oh, this tastes no, okay? He knows better than to give that answer to us. <laughs> he was like, uh, but yeah, I 
too sweet. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. He likes spicy foods. Spicy foods? Okay. Look, there's something men learn early on in the relationship. The correct answer at all times is yes to Yes, exactly. I went to dinner with like this couple and like they're like, Eric, just say yes the whole time. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Yeah. Anyway, third is knowledge of the other. The fourth is that it's self-giving. You give of oneself in a relationship. I would say... This is something in general people need to do better in friendship. It comes a little bit more naturally to us in dating relationships because we're getting a lot more emotionally, sometimes, you know, goods, whatever. But we need to learn how to give. It means to sacrifice for the other and for, other, to, for the relationship. And then the last thing is it's life-giving. It's, it, you can see how that happens in a dating relationship when it ends in marriage and you have a family. But in a friendship, it should be that in a similar way. That, and this is, you know, another thing people aren't good at is like when they make a friend, they don't know how to introduce a third to the game. You know, a, a great way to be is that if you're ever going anywhere, learn the art of continuing to invite people. I'll regularly do that. So like if I'm going out and someone's like just sort of hanging out and you can tell they don't have anything to do. Uh, I'm thinking like recently I was going out with a group of priests and someone said to me, hey, you're going to dinner with a group of priests? And I knew what they were saying. It was kind of like, well, I'm not because I'm not a priest was the other person. So I said, do you have any plans for dinner? And I knew the answer was going to be no. Uh, and they said, no, I'm completely free. I said, come along. So it was a group of priests and uh, this other person. So, so now there are times you can't do that. Like, but in general, it's a good skill to have. To just say, you want to come? Do you want any of this? Uh, you know, we were just doing that with the coconut cake, which was top rate, by the way. I want to laud the wonderful coconut cake that I was given by Eleanor. Wow, you made it. Yeah, it was really good. Okay. Nine out of ten. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's a nine out of ten. That's good. Always room for improvement. What's the one thing we need to improve for the next time? You wanted it moist. That's right. A little bit more moist in the center. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. So I'm grateful. Thank you. Look, nine out of ten is pretty good. A nine out of ten is pretty good. You should see what he yeah. raised Danielle's food. So. That's yeah, that's about a two out of ten. <laughs> So if you think, if, if you think of any friendship or dating relationship, what are you thinking about? Should be permanent. I mean, if you have a good friendship, it is chosen. It is life-giving. It is, it involves self-gift and you know the other person. Now, if you think about it, all of those things are required for marriage too. It needs to be chosen. If any of these things really is missing, you have a fundamental problem in your marriage. If you do not choose, if it is not permanent, if you do not know what you are getting into, if you are not self-sacrificing, and if it is not life-giving. That's why in this talk, I begin with friendship and end with dating. Because if you can learn the art of being a friend in a proper way, you actually are preparing yourself for what is necessary for marriage. And it's important because I think when you see a lot of marriages fall apart, it's usually one of these things is problematic. So if, you're, if you think to yourself, 
I am, an, I am a selfish individual. I do not put other people before myself. I, I, you know, let's just say. Um, time to work on that because when you enter into a, a, a marriage one day, that will show up. If you're someone, for instance, who's like, uh, I don't really ask a lot of questions about another person. I, I don't know how to communicate well or I really don't care about other people. My relationships are more superficial. That's where the permanent come in. Like if you say, if I say, what's your longest standing friendship? And you say to me two weeks, that's a bad sign. And, and I don't mean friends you never talk to either. Oh, we, you know, we get together and see each other over the summer. It's just like old times. I, I'm more talking about people that you're actually staying in touch with. That there's a permanence to that. You actually know the person. All of these things are necessary for a true friendship and a true dating relationship. Does that make sense? Okay, great. So, how do we inspire love? Deep within our hearts is a clear desire to experience and to give love. If you think about it, we desire, we desire to give that. In, in a love that is heading towards heaven, which we should be heading towards, and within marriage, so if, like if you're thinking of marriage, they should inspire one another, that we're motivated by the goodness that is, is called forth by the Lord and towards what comes in uh, the beauty of a marriage relationship. I was just speaking to someone about this recently, and they were like, well, I don't know if marriage is really in the future, but uh, you know, what is important for me is you know, just sort of having a good time. And I'm, I'm like, do you, have you ever thought of that phrase? And, uh, and they're like, what do you mean? You, the, but that's what I mean, is we accept that. We accept things like, oh, we're just gonna casually date, we're gonna, when you're engaged in an important enterprise of any variety, whether it be business, whether it be personal, whether it be spiritual, does it sound like, imagine going into a business enterprise, like let's say I was interviewing you for a job, and you said, Look, I want to take this really casually. I don't want any commitments. I, I, I'm good for what I do, but I, I just don't want, we want to take it day by day. Do you think anyone's going to hire you? No. So why would we take a dating relationship or a friendship and treat it that way? We tolerate that. When people lower the bar, we'll often tolerate that. We'll be like, let's say we really like someone we're smitten by them, and they say something like that, like they'll say, well, I'm not really, I, I don't really want a permanent relationship right now. I'm not ready. You know what you should do if someone does that? Put your hand up like this and start going like that. <laughs> say, sayonara, because here's what's about to happen. Your heart is about to be broken because what is going to happen when someone doesn't understand that dating it leads towards hopefully a clear movement towards a permanent relationship to some degree and a discernment of possibly marriage, you're in trouble when you go in there. And a lot of people, particularly on a college campus, I've seen this a lot, people are like, I don't want a, a, uh, I don't want a permanent relationship. I'm here, it's the best days of my life or whatever it is. I, it sounds really like when people say that, I'm like, it sounds like a soap opera, you know, best days of my life. The world over, what do they call it? The, there was a, a soap opera, what was it? Days of our lives, there we go. The world over is an EWTN show. What am I talking about? Okay. No. 
No, don't mind me. I haven't tuned into that. But so the thing is, we need to ask, do we think it is possible? Do we really think it is possible to, to have a love like this? I mean, I think in theory we think it's possible. We'll say, uh, yeah, I kind of think it's possible. But then we don't see many examples of it. And I think we tolerate lower than that. Like, we, we cheapen friendship. And that's why I think a lot of people cut people up. Remember I said, like, the, the ghosting of people? <laughs> Does anyone in here want to admit that they ghost people? Okay. We've got at least there's one. It, but I will. Uh, there's an honest man sitting over here. And believe me. You are not alone in this room. I am sure that there are other people that go. So, oh wait, we, we've got we've got several other people coming up. Okay, look, I want you to cut that out right now. In other words, it doesn't mean there aren't times to end, but state it. Give the person their due, and and it it there it's the same kind of respect you'd want. Would you want someone to ghost you? No, but there are times when a relationship needs to end. But the reason I say that is it doesn't take responsibility for what we have to do. We need to be people who in every interaction recognize we're developing ourselves for future key interactions. If you have it in your cards to do something like that, you could do it to someone that you really care about. So you just want to remove that from your cards at all. I don't ghost people. I just tell them. That's just one thing. There's other things that we do that are problematic too which is we treat people like a commodity. We use people. I won't ask if anyone does this, but the using of people where you're like, I really like so-and-so's, you know. Car. Car, okay. So every time that we get together, I always um, say I've got, you know, no gas or uh, I'm broke and, you know, I can't pay for the gas, but you obviously can because gas is free for you and I like taking your car. So we use the... Why is gas the, free for them? Because they're just, riding in your car. Oh. So, so it's free for them unless you're charging them to get in it. Uh, yeah. I have a question. So with ghosting, because what's the difference? Like, would you say letting something naturally die out well, if you're, here's the way I view ghosting, okay? Now, it may not be, imagine a relationship that needs food. So naturally die out, I think of a relationship that it isn't fed for like months or weeks. And so, yeah, it dies, but it dies a horrific death. You know, not that they're sitting there and moaning as the end of it, but they're like, where are we at with this relationship? So unless I'm missing something, yeah, it does go that way, but it's often because we don't want to deal with an issue that's at hand. What are you, maybe I'm not getting what you're asking. Well, because I'm just thinking of like people in, like in life that have just, like friendships that you just, the communication like draws out and it's like there's no bad blood or anything, but eventually both of you just aren't talking to each other. Often that is caused, though, because both people, one or both, are not investing the time that's necessary. Think of when you go to college, for instance. Think of all the friends you had in high school. Hopefully you had a decent number. And how many you're still friends with. You know, certainly, usually freshman year you keep in touch better. But by sophomore year, it's maybe we'll see each other over breaks. By junior year, 
It's, you know, when I see you, I've been thinking about you. And by senior year, I'll write you when I get married so that you can show up for my wedding. And bring a gift. And bring a gift, Don't right. Don't exactly. the registry. <laughs> right, exactly. I'll send the registry link to you. You know, I was thinking of creating a registry, just a priest registry, because I'm not going to just say, like, at the bottom of my email chain would be, like, a permanent registry of, like, items that I want and just see whether anyone buys. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. I'll get it out by next week, okay? Second collection. So, yeah, second collection, all right. If it's like our second collections, that list will be fully loaded on Amazon. So what I would say is, yes, that occurs, but what I'm trying to call people to is a better way. We don't need to let that happen. In other words, like I, I just this weekend, a friend of mine who I've been friends with since second grade is coming down just this weekend for two days to visit his son who's at a boarding school. Now I've got a meeting up in Northern Virginia on Friday. So I called him and I said, are you gonna be in town? He said, yeah, only at this hour. I said, I'll meet you at 10 o'clock at night. Now that's not an ideal time to meet, okay? I'm gonna, uh, but I'm gonna meet him at 10 or 10.30 at night. And we said, we'll do a couple laps around the church parking lot or, uh, at the uh, church. Now that's weird, yeah. except, yeah. except, now I will say that because I dress like this, it's sort of, so if a security guard comes, I can say, I'm just pacing the property, you know. <laughs> I'm praying for the living and the dead on this property. But what the point I'm making is it's inconvenient to see him at that time. But that's the only window. And what I would argue is I think the reason this often occurs, not always, is because we haven't spent the time to realize that when people aren't right next to us or if we're having slowly drifting apart, what do you think in a, in a let's say, a car repair but then in a relationship, when things aren't working smoothly, what do you need to do? Do you need to spend more time or less time on it? More. more. Okay, then have a conversation. That's what I'm saying. Have a conversation. Two people treating each other badly, both of them, does not make it a better thing. You know, have you ever heard the old saying, two wrongs doesn't make a right? So th this is what I'm saying. Yes, but you probably know it's happening. They know. But here's the mature way to handle that is you call them up or when you see them, you just say, I've noticed that our relationship is not the same as it was. You know, you can say, what's going on? Or have I, have I been changing? Or if you know what the issue is, say... I see that you're making life decisions that are not in line with the way I'm trying to live my life. Uh, I wouldn't be a friend to you if I didn't raise this with you. And if the person says, look, you need to live your life and I need to live mine, then you can say, I respect that. I'm sorry that you've made that choice and I treasured our interactions beforehand. They, it doesn't, you know, no one's leaving like with a, a dagger in their chest, but at the same time, you've communicated this relationship, at least right now, is likely over. But it shows a maturity of being able to try to deal and to say, I didn't just treasure you in the good times, I tried to salvage what we had when it was difficult. It's actually a good question, Faith. Okay.
If you knew, here's a good thing I'll ask you, if you knew you were going to be loved and never used, would you freely give yourself to another person? Okay, there's limited to no reaction. So let me ask you, if you knew you were going to be loved and never used, would you freely give yourself to another person? Okay, I would too, okay? I would too. And that gift of yourself would lead to a deeper union with the beloved that you are and at the same time affirm your dignity because you show all of yourself and hide nothing. Does that make sense? So that as you, without fear, you enter into a relationship and you, can, you have no fear the other person is going to harm you. So you'll share every part of who you are, the good, the bad, the weird, whatever it is. The other person is, and we all have weird. Let's be clear. We all have weird. We are made, now see, that's why I'm not asked. Yeah, I don't say, now tell me the weird, you know, because no one like, we don't want to embarrass people, right? We are made to experience this and we are made to love like this. I want you to understand that that is the way we are supposed to engage in relationships before sin entered into the world. How do we give birth to this kind of love for others and, and encourage others to love like this? So how would you suggest we do that? So if you're saying we want to have, cultivate this, this is what we all desire, it's not the way we're often experiencing it. How do you think you would do that? Yeah. Well, I would say, like, first is, like, when you were saying, would you want to be loved and never used? Like, the perfect example of that is the relationship with God. Right. Because He can only love you. So, if you want to have that with someone else, praying and looking to the Lord as, like, an example of how you should act would be, like, something you could do. Yeah. That, okay. What else could we do? So, like, in a relationship, how can you at least... Now, I'm not talking like you get, you, you get very weird and, like, you're saying to someone, I will love you like God loves you and I will never... Because you can't promise necessarily to do that. But you do need to set the stage to some degree that this is the way you're going to work on things. So, certain things would be... That would be one. Another would be to learn the art of forgiveness and asking for forgiveness. Some people are not good at asking for forgiveness. You know, and what they do is, you know, they, they, when they're sorry, what they do is they come up and they're like, hey, I'm sorry, but I know you don't mind, do you? And he's like, yeah, but I, I'm like giving him no option to say, yeah, I, I kind of do mind. I, I, did, I really did mind that you burned my house down. I, I, you know, I, do, I do mind. I mean, so another thing that you can do is constantly, one of the things is constantly trying to make sure in relationships friendships and dating, that you remember key dates. You know, this device that I carry around, it's amazing, because anytime everything's connected, you can just stick on here anything that comes in. Like, it even says at times, it goes, do you want to record a person's birthday? Have you ever seen that? It says that on there. So you can record people's birthdays, and you can actually call them and say, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday, Nick. It's Nick's birthday. Let's sing to him. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Nick. 
choice. So, would you like a juice or water? Juice? All right. Malia, would you give this man a juice? Do you want, do you, do you want, do you want a grape, a, what, a grape, an apple, or a, uh, what's the other one? Orange. Orange? Orange juice, please. Wait, is it really your birthday? No. No, we just say we're You've got to know his dates. So, here's the thing. Remember dates. Who here likes when people remember their birthday? Okay. Look at the hands up. Okay, Gio doesn't, but everyone. Oh, wait, sorry. Jordan the most. Everyone does. When is your birthday, Jordan? Uh, don't you guys know? <laughs> uh, the. All right. Put it in. Put it in. Get that date. Oh, when is Father's birthday? Yeah. Whoa, well, oh, don't tell. Let's see if these people know. It's in the summer before the school year. August fourth. Right? Anybody? August nine. I want you to know. Instead of a big rousing date, it was like, huh? Maybe. So you can be sure that on my birthday, there's a whole lot of nothing. August 4th, August John Vianney's feast day. Yeah, it's easy job. to remember. <laughs> Take all the money you were going to give to Jordan and send it my way. Okay. Here. Oh, yeah. Katrina is my, my event planner over here. I do my birthday plus one. Yeah. Factory, McDonald's, Coca Cola. So here's the thing. When in re the reason I say dates is these things, we're not good at simple things that can work. Write things down. Develop it within your own family. Like some of you, how many of you, and, and you can be honest here, uh, I don't want to embarrass people then. If you, some people don't give gifts to their own siblings. They're like, well, they don't give me one. Okay, you're a friggin' adult, okay? So... It, it, Give a it's give a being gift. fiscally responsible, Father. <laughs> All right, there you go. And she's going to be fiscally responsible in her marriage too. So yep. the thing is, but that do do we sit here and say, do you want someone to come and say on your birthday, I'm trying to be fiscally responsible, and that's why I didn't remember you? No one wants to hear that. You can even draw a card. I mean, there's so many ways. These things that we do go along. You may say they're small things. Exactly. That's how you build something beautiful. You ever notice the difference between a regular house and a museum or a beautiful structure and a regular one is not in the cement walls or whatnot. It's always in the finer details, the colors that are used, the artwork that is used. Understand in relationships, the difference between average and great is in the small things. If you execute in small ways, you will excel. I actually, I don't want to give away my homily for Mass Under the Lights, but one of the things, but I'll tell you right now, it's already written. The, uh, it, but it is, I'm going to use, I won't tell you the, how the story goes, I'm going to use a story about Mike Piazza and the one time he stole home. He was a slow runner. In 16 years as a Major League Baseball player, he only uh, stole home 50 times. That's a small number of steals, because sometimes you get a free base. 
But he stole home one time. You can look that up on YouTube. You can see the time. Look, Nat, it looked ugly when he did it. He was slow. But <laughs> the thing I say is in sports, if you went to a swimmer or a shot putter and you said to them, if you work hard over the next month, you can swim a tenth of a second faster or throw an inch farther. They would be happy to do it. In small things is great success. We, are put, we put our mind to it in other areas of life, but we don't necessarily put it in in relationships, and it's, it's just as important. We must honestly ask ourselves where we have experienced this love, or in some cases, if we haven't, where we know we can go to experience it if we haven't felt it. Because in order for us to love in this manner where I say it's a free love, it's you're not using, you're not using vulnerabilities against people, we need to realize that it's something we need to experience so we know that it's possible. And there's one place we can always find it. This is always found in an authentic relationship with God. This is what we profess in our belief when we talk about God loving us. There's nothing that we can do that we can't turn back to God if we choose to repent. We speak of that love being something that is freely given, that God gives it to us, with a full knowledge of who we are, without end. It gives life in us, and it is sacrificial on the part of God. It's funny, it's almost like it's permanent, chosen, has a knowledge of other <laughs> self-giving and life-giving. It is the very relationship that who God is has those essential qualities because he is one who loves. And those things are right there. We speak of it being freely given with a full knowledge of who we are without end. It gives life in us and it is a gift given freely by God even though sacrificially based. The signs of a good friendship are indeed the actual way that we are loved by God. So if you think about your relationship with God, it pairs to the way that you would love a spouse, and it should be the way that you love your friends. And if you actually do it this way, even if imperfectly, I realize we fail at different points in this, but your relationships will be much deeper, and your dating relationships will be much better. If you've had, you know, it's, it saddens my heart to meet people who sell themselves cheaply, okay? You must hold your standards very high, just like you would want someone else to do. And, and you don't need a thousand suitors. You need to find one, right? Because you're actually looking for a single person. Here is the great key to a truly successful relationship. To love as God loves will lead to a good relationship, foundationally at least. So if we're trying to do that, that is the basis of what a good relationship is. If you want to inspire another to love well, don't try to come up with your own way. Turn to the love that has given birth to our hope. So in other words, so many people, I mean, particularly smooth talkers, right? I meet sometimes these smooth talkers and they're, they're selling me on a bill of goods. And it doesn't go anywhere with me. I mean, it really doesn't. I cut right to the chase and I say, I need less words and more substance. That's actually a line I use sometimes. They'll go on and on and on. They're like this, that, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I say, I need less words and I need more substance. 
And then usually they sit there like you've just like shot them because they've used that so often. And, you know, we do that in relationships, particularly when we're, we're interested in someone. Ladies, this is what men try to pull a lot of time. They're a sweet talker. They're going on and on and people. So cut through it and steal my line. After he finishes his line, he tells you the most beautiful woman. He's never met anyone. You know, you're, 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 you know some kind of cheesy line that he used. Then say, I need less words and more substance. <laughs> He'll quickly take off the other way if and he's not made of something. <laughs> well, it's not to run, it's to run off the people you don't want. It's to get through to the place that you want to be. We, we need to realize that when, when we harm ourselves in relationships, whether it be friendships or dating, it's just like anything else. If I take a hammer to my car, there's one of two things. Either I walk around with a dent or what's the other choice? I pay a lot of money and I have a professional repair it. It's the same like any relationship. If you allow yourself to be dented, you either walk around with wounds or you pay someone and it takes a long time for them to repair it. You know, that you bring it to a shop and they say it'll be ready in your car, ready in a week and then you're still waiting a week or two later. She, she came to meet with me walking clear across Fredericksburg to meet with me because her car was still in the shop. Thank you for the dedication. <laughs> the, but the thing is, it's true. And, and like we see that we need to understand this about relationships. We're, we're happy to take a hammer whack and then we're like, ah, that doesn't do anything. I'm okay. No, you're not. You've been wounded. And if you don't get that repaired, that's going to show up another time. How many of you have friends that you know are, are, have been wounded and then you see it even if they don't see it in their other relationships? Yeah, fair number of us, right? So this is the issue. Now let's take this concept of loving God deeper on a, away from this abstract level and get concrete because people may be saying, geez, this is all abstract. All right, well, let's solve that. What do we see as the foundation of many relationships of people dating a longer time? What enters in very quickly the longer people date? It becomes harder and harder to maintain what? Chastity. You got it. Chastity. At a certain part... Spark. Spark? Well, that, that's true, too. I mean, that can happen, too, actually. At a certain point, if you're dating a longer period of time... Most of them, at a certain point, struggle with this question, even if it's not the way that they say it, or if they, don't, if they have good rules of engagement, like we've spoken about. Most of them are either sexually active, or at least the concept of purity is lost to this question. How far is too far? The concern for the good of the other is now mixed with our desire for sexual pleasure. Now, this happens regularly in long-standing relationships. And at one level, it's a good thing. It means we're very attracted to the other person, physically and otherwise. I think I told you the guy who I was giving a talk on this one time, and he said, I know what the solution is. Yeah. Did I tell you this? Yeah. He said, just marry someone you're not attracted to. And I said, no, no, that's a terrible idea. I, who would do that? I mean, like, <laughs> you're ugly. It's exactly what I'm looking for. <laughs> Please. I mean, these people conclude the worst things. I'm like, thank God he's not teaching this class. <laughs> now, the thing to do is find the person you're least attracted to. 
Chastity works great then. You're repulsed by them every time you see them. So, you know, so what is happening is a good thing. You're attracted emotionally to the person. You're attracted physically to the person, hopefully spiritually. And so there's a desire for this unity. And a deep form of unity, not the deepest, is sexual pleasure. Another topic for another time. The actual deepest form of intimacy would be what? Motherhood. Well, that ties into it, actually. But that would leave out us men. Spiritual. Spiritual intimacy. Because it leads to the deepest things in life. Actually, it's deeper. And that's why, don't just take it, oh, that's what we expect a priest to say. <laughs> if you go and ask your parents, which I encourage you to do, though you may be reticent to do it, to say, what are the, some of the most intimate moments in your marriage? You're not going to get like, get out of the kitchen, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> you know, most of them, well, they're not going to do that. I think they'll tell you things like the, the time I held my first child, you know, on our 10th wedding anniversary when we were, um, you know, sitting, I don't know, at a dinner. Yes, what, what do you do on a wedding anniversary? I am not at a wedding anniversary. Or actually, I have one of my things here. This lady wrote this uh, surprise. Here we go. This, she goes, finally understanding spousal love. This is Hel Helen Alvarez, who you may have heard. She teaches at uh, George Mason in their law department, but she's also a great Catholic speaker. She has a book too, Father. Oh, she has a book? Okay. Well, I don't know where this is from, but I found it online, and I said, this is, I don't think it's from a book. But she said, St. Paul's comparison of human marriage to the relationship between Christ and his church in Ephesians 5. So if you remember, Ephesians 5 is where uh, the, the woman submits, you know, women be submissive to your husband as Christ is to the church. And some people are like, I don't want anything to do with submissiveness. And she says, but it's a beautiful thing. Is all, as, as she said, it always made a lot of sense to me. God loves us with an overwhelming love makes extraordinary sacrifice, demands forever love, forgives us again and again. But it's one thing to un this understand this rationally and another thing so as to live it. The theologian named Monsignor Luigi Gisani helps me to do this. He compares the way a married couple comes to love one another to the way the apostles grasp the ex exceptional greatness of Jesus. Over the years they spent together, they saw brilliance without arrogance, compassion married to action, and supernatural powers alongside humility. Reflecting on their time with him since the first day, they could only conclude, he is the one. This realization hit me after decades of marriage, so I'm thinking like, I guess multiple decades, not 10 years. The afternoon my husband and I got into a car to drive 12 long hours to drop our oldest child at their college graduation. We rose before dawn, loaded the other children in the car, hopped in the front seat, looked at one another, and immediately began to cry with happiness. We spoke of our years together since college, our struggles as new parents, the financial ups and downs we had weathered, the joy our children had brought us. This experience is, the touch, is a touchstone now. My love for God is more personal. My love for my husband even more clearly and practically in line with my path to salvation. So that's what I mean. Like when you, 
ask your parents, not that they go into that, but like if you ask people, they recognize something. Like if you said to her, name you know, a very intimate moment. I mean, the time I went in to see my oldest child's college graduation is we drove 12 hours. Well, it's like, excuse me? Because we're always thinking it's these other moments, but it's often the moments of the deepest intimacy, spiritual. It's the connection of the person. This is the one. It's the realization of what we long for. But it's not found in an act that is, you know, a couple minutes, even though it's a beautiful act. That's why I argue it's a deeper form. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the idea that I must wholly love the other, seeking the good of that person, which is rooted in God, is now transformed when I have this sexual desire into something that I want and sometimes demand subtly or otherwise. In other words, like I put pressure on the other person. Well, I, I remember one time I was meeting with a girl and she said that her boyfriend would always say to her, she would say, well, I try to, I try to hold off, Father. And I said, okay. And she goes, I just can't do it. And, and I said, why not? And it wasn't a confession, so I don't even think I'm saying something in confession. And it's not a student. This is from a long time ago. Uh, people are like, oh, he's telling confession. No, I'm not telling confession. It was, like, it was, it was Yeah, people, believe me, you, you hear all kinds of stuff. Sometime in heaven you can say, tell us it all. And I'll say, Lord, can I? Okay. <laughs> you hear all kinds. But she said to me, well, what he does is I'll hold on and I'll say, you know, we're not, we're not doing anything tonight. And then he would say some variety. He goes, I'm very anxious. And she goes, okay. And then he would, she, he'd say, I have needs that only you can provide. And I said, oh, that sounds so creepy. And he's like, <laughs> it sounds terrible. But she would give in because she said, I was trying to help him overcome his anxiety. But he was using, he was using her vulnerability to get what he wanted. And I said, you know, there's other ways around it. And I actually gave her a tip on how to stop that. And I think it did work. Um, well, that would have been the long-term thing. Right. But people aren't necessarily ready for that. And they, they see something good in the person. But I want, I want us to understand in general, when we have this demand or we put our own desire in, it begins to corrupt something. The fact remains, this does not increase love. Many people have a lot of sex and have never experienced love. At the same time, there are many people who have never had sex but have experienced a lot of love. Now, before you say, Father, that is a really profound line. That actually was Deacon Gerard Anthony. So I will give due to, I will give due to him instead of taking credit there for myself. A worth of something can be seen in how much we are willing to sacrifice for it. If we see our significant other as having great value, then why do we not sacrifice our desires for them? This is part of loving like God. He sacrifices. We give up. We, we recognize in the moment, I'm weak, but yet get we do. It's in our weakness there is strength. You know, I, I meant to bring, but maybe next week if I remember, someone reminds me. I have done, you know, when I meet couples, you can imagine as a priest you're meeting people, well, here I meet basically people your age, but when I was at a parish, you get random phone calls from couples that want to get married, and for all kinds of reasons. 
you know, and nowadays, more common than not, it's not people who are devout. It's like my mom told me to call, you know, my grandmother's Catholic and she won't come to the wedding unless it's in the church, so I, 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 I'm reaching out. And so when you get in, it used to be 30 years ago that people would try to hide the fact they're living together or having sex with one another. That's gone. To, to the credit, people are just open about it. Oh, yeah, we're living together. We're having sex. So I will ask early on. There's a way I like to get the in, intel. The women always give it up. Uh, the, there's a way that you can ask. And, and my favorite was the time the couple had prepared. He was Catholic and she was not. And so he, I gather, had told her, now look, the priest may ask if we're having sex. So this is the answer. You know, we struggle, but we've remained firm. So he had this real line. So we get into the meeting, and I asked the question the way I like to ask it, and I just turned to him, and he said, Father, it... <laughs> I wish you could see it again, but we replay in heaven, you go to this scene. Because he goes... Father, he goes, we struggle, but we remain firm. And I turned to her, and she goes, I'm not going to die to him. Yes, we have sex. <laughs> oh, it was great, because then I just went back to her. I said, not struggling too hard, right? <laughs> but she actually did that. She goes, I'm not going to lie to him. So, but the thing is, so much for the game, right? But now, people are more honest, and what I say to them, and you can imagine, is some of these people have been having sex regularly for years. And I will say, you know, one of the things that's important is we need to realize the good of not engaging in sexual relations before marriage. Now, most people think it's just a rule. But the reason it's there is it helps us to express intimacy. It respects the relationship where it's at. There's a meaning when someone approaches, because this is one of the things I ask them. If you continue to have sex every night up until your wedding, or regularly up until your wedding, what changes on your wedding day? What is special about that? Well, we're married. Okay, so you sign a document. I said, isn't it more beautiful if you recognize I have a desire for this man and this, or this woman? and that I'm waiting for her, and on the day of my wedding, I profess publicly to all my family and friends and the church, this is the woman I love more than anyone else. This is the man that I love more than anyone else. And in the presence of all of you, I am telling you, I will love this person for the rest of my life. We process out of the church. There's a huge celebration of everyone who's important to you, Hopefully not with people intoxicating themselves, which always infuriates me at a wedding. I'm like, hey, this is someone's big day. They're celebrating a, a beautiful thing. And you guys are acting the fool. I mean, uh, anyway, that's not. But so there's a big celebration. And then the couple leaves and goes and has their wedding night, which is a great act of expressing formally the love that they experience at the altar. And I'll say that to him, and I say to, the, I say to the woman, don't you prefer that? And I've never had a woman say, nah. <laughs> now, they may say it will be difficult. I don't want to say people immediately say, you're right, what are we doing? This is done. But you know what? Every one of those couples, and there are dozens of them, has stopped having sex before marriage. And many of them after, this is what I was going to bring. I don't ask them during it because then people would just lie and do it. Okay, they'd be like, ah, oh, we'll, we'll make up. I say, after your wedding, if you feel compelled, 
I would love a testimony written by you on how you were able to remain chaste after you had already been sexually active. And you know what they do? I've got, I don't know how many, not, I mean, not a ton, but maybe five or six, that they have written that after their wedding. Because I didn't want it with any compulsion that they need to do it. It's after they're married, they don't owe me a thing. But the reason is it's possible and it's beautiful. This is what the love of God is like. It gives of oneself. It sacrifices for oneself. Any comments on that? I did want to stop and allow you guys to comment on that. So I'm just not pontificating here. I'll share. Share, please, okay. tell me. So Eric and I went to this pre-Cana retreat and um, there's 27 couples, right? And it's for... Um, yeah, it was, if you ever get married, you should go. It's at Our Lady of Bethesda. And we sat with this other couple, which it was like all random people, but for two days we sat with them. And they give talks on different subjects, and one of them is on, like, chastity and, like, waiting for marriage and all of these things. And um, I guess the guy, he's Catholic and the girl isn't, and she's a doctor and all this stuff. So we start talking to them, and we're like, um, you know, they're like, oh, how long have you guys been dating for? So we're like, yeah, two years, and we're going to get married this summer. And then we're like, how about you? And they're like, yeah, we're going to get married next year. And then they're like, we have a son, right? So I was like, oh, wow. So I was like, you know, you're just trying to learn. But the one thing that she said to us, she was like, because um, we were like, oh, do you, she was like asking us questions. And she's like, you know, you guys did it right. We didn't. And I was like, oh, what do you mean by that? She's like, well, we didn't wait till marriage. We had a kid before. We dated for a long time. We lived in together. And now, like, like it's just, like, almost, like, at a point of, like, divorce. But then now they're getting married because now they have a kid and they want to make things new. And she said that um, one of the greatest gifts, I guess, like, before marriage, when you wait for somebody, um, you're able to give that gift that's like so precious of yourself to the other. Um, and it, it like that respect, that joy, that love and connection that you had before marriage is most likely going to like last and be rekindled because even without sex before marriage, you still kind of love each other <laughs> in other ways other than just using somebody all the time. Um, so yeah, so it was like really meaningful, I guess, to have someone say like, oh, cause you know, she would ask us, oh, how often do you guys pray together? And we're like every day, like in the morning and at night and praying the rosary has helped us a lot. So we're like sharing to someone who's like already living together and we're like not even married. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. And we're just like, oh, you should do the consecration to our blessed mother. Cause she helped us out a lot. So like, all of these things, but it's like, we're not even married yet, and we're giving advice to someone who has a child already. So I'm like, gosh. But see, she noticed, here's the thing, is notice how she said, you did it right. You never get like, you need to do it like us. They recognize, even if not completely, there's something that's missing here. Yeah, so that was like, really, and I gotta say, like, for the girls, like, when you have a high standard of a guy, and like, you know, it's, it's definitely, they'll like move up to that. Like, <laughs> and St. Joseph, like if you pray for your spouse, like through St. Joseph, like St. Joseph can help make a man to be like him. And like men pray to St. 
Saint Joseph to be like Saint Joseph. That makes sense. Because then you are able to be the woman and like the girl should pray to our Blessed Mother. Like if you struggle with like self-esteem, self-confidence, and like knowing your worth, pray to our Blessed Mother. And then for the guys, like I would say pray to Saint Joseph to help you with chastity, helping to love women as sisters in Christ and knowing like their dignity and value. But in that way of like, um, yeah, I guess asking, you know, St. Joseph and Our Lady because they're like, you know, that couple. Um, that's what I would say is that when the girls are able to say, you know, like I know my worth and I want to wait and I need a man to be able to do this. And that should be like, not on like the first date or whatever, but like maybe like the third date, like to make sure that guy would wait for you and not like use you. Yeah. And it's like a struggle bubble to bring that up. Like I was super scared to bring it up to Eric. Like I was like, oh Lord, like, but then he was like, no, like, uh, I'll wait. And I was like, whew. <laughs> like I got it off my shoulders and like, yeah. So that's like a really big gift that like, yeah. You gotta have critical like, conversations. Yeah. If you, if you're, uh, people, it is slightly awkward. You're right. Yeah. But the only reason is it's because we've moved so far as a culture. Sure. This was, uh, you know, 70 years ago, the outlier was the person engaging in sexual activity in a relationship. Now it's the out, we flipped it on its head and we've got to go in and say like, would you possibly understand chastity is a good? Let's not be afraid to present the goods as goods. Please. So, like, um, if you already had, like, a past that, like, let's say you were engaged in that stuff, like, it's never too late to start over. Like, with confession and, like, just entrusting your life to St. Joseph and Our Lady, like, asking for that grace to be chased again, like, they'll give it to you. And, like, the rosary, like, praying the rosary every day helps a lot. If Crystalina and Jason, Crystalina and Jason Everett are really awesome and like pure love and like Crystalina came from a background that was totally off like you know she like yeah had sex with all these different guys and on the meantime the guy Jason waited for somebody um but she had like a conversion so like praying for your future spouse if God calls you to that obviously but it's never too late to like start anew and God that's like through the sacrament of confession it's like so readily available. And then obviously the Eucharist, I would say the more that you receive the Eucharist, like the Eucharist gives you strength. The devil doesn't want you to receive Jesus. So the less and less that you have the Eucharist, the less strength that you'll have to resist the temptation. I don't know if that helps, but just share. <laughs> Thank you. Well, yeah, I have like a question comment. like. When you were talking before about the story of the guy who was like telling his girlfriend like oh like I have needs or whatever like when you're married that shouldn't be the attitude either right mm -hmm. because like but it's healthy in a married relationship to like have sex so then like well, but I mean, there it's a different thing. It's an expression of love. So there may be, I mean, there's a legitimate back and forth in marriage where there would be a dialogue between the couples. I mean, one may not want to have sex and the other one may, and then there's a dialogue. But I'm saying in this place, it's needs towards pressure. Yeah, but like in a married relationship, like, yeah, I mean, 
Because, like, you have sex and you're open to children. Right. But, like, yeah, I mean... I think I know what you're saying. There's just a lot of... Like, you don't want your husband pressuring you. No, no, no. I think what she's trying to say is, like, in a marriage, like, you're able to express and communicate that need. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like... Yeah, so, like, there's times, but there are also times where, like, you shouldn't use, like, your spouse in that way. Like, yeah, I guess, like, instance, in a marriage, like, like in a marriage, you can use your spouse. That's why it's always important. Like, oh, sorry. So, yeah, like, to use somebody and, like, just, like... You shouldn't be you, using you someone know, at any point. Yeah, always, you know, like, when you're using someone, it's, like, when you're not able to express that um, love. Like, you're just, like, I want this, I want this, like, yeah. you know? But then if that person is, like, hey, like... Um, out of love, like, we're open to, like, the way you pray and, like, involve, like, Christ in it, too, I think that would be, like, different, you know? But, I mean, I don't know, Father. If that doesn't, if that doesn't answer, maybe I'm not clear on what you're asking. No, yeah, that doesn't. I think, yeah, it's just, like, you want to be open to life, and that's definitely the case, but, like, yeah, and, like, just keeping, like, a healthy balance between, like, being open to life and, like, regularly having sex, I guess. Like... Well, I, I mean, without getting too far down the road, I mean, there are, there are ways that couples need to communicate on being open to life. Every time you have sex, you're not having a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also other form. I mean, I think we've stunted to some degree, like, the only way we express intimacy is we have sex. Mm-hmm. I think we need... To, that's where it's important in dating to learn other ways. So we all have intimacy needs, but even in marriage, like let's say the couple, they have, you know, for whatever reason, they're like, we, we should not be open to a child at this time for whatever re- for a legitimate reason. Then it doesn't mean we, we move into uh, birth control to do it. What we'd say is maybe there's other forms of intimacy we should be expressing to, to meet our needs. Walks. Cards. I mean, you may say, oh, that's not what we're talking about. You don't know what we're talking about. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, but that doesn't mean that that's the way. There, we have to learn other things. You have to have a tool belt. of you, The need is real. It's how we express it. Sometimes it's the sexual act. Sometimes it's other forms of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, one more thing we'll talk about tonight. We didn't quite get through everything. But I did want to speak about discernment tied in with it. Many people tell us all about love, but we need something more as we prepare for the call of marriage. For that is what it is. It, It requires a discernment. It's not just what people tell us about. We must discern what is God's will for us. You know, I think a lot of times people hear things about love and then they hear like maybe Katrina or or myself talking like, ah, here comes all the God stuff. But it's not, but it's not an add-on. Like, that's the thing. It's like, it's not an add-on. Like, it's not like when, when she or I say, ah, here's the Eucharist, here's St. Joseph and whatnot. No, no, the, these are real helpmates to purity. It's, and it's not like latching on to fantasy. It is latching on to, to the faith and to role models of the faith in the case of St. Joseph and the Blessed Mother. So we must discern what is God's will. If you're saying that the will is for you to get married, then you realize when you go to get into it, part of it is kind of like the thing you just said. There's going to be times where we may not be able to express our intimacy in sex. 
How are we going to do that? That becomes a discussion that you have with someone. We must be able to discern what true love is and love that we are called to have in marriage, a deep love for the other person. So true love is, first, free. It is not forced or coerced. This goes into the incidents where the guy was saying, I need my needs or whatnot. We enter without coercion. And then we should think of our boyfriend or girlfriend and say, is there any coercion that goes on in my relationship? If you get into a relationship, you should ask, you should see that. This can actually often enter in and we deny that it's going on. You know, I, you get in and what happens is people will come in and early on, it often happens around sex stuff where they'll say early on, this is an immediate red flag in a relationship. But like when Katrina was speaking about Eric where she brought it up and he said, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but something like, this is good, I want you to do it, there's something that we should do. One thing you'll hear is this line. Now it's usually men, and I'm not beating up on men because I guess women could do it too, but I've only heard it like a guy responding this way to a girl. Where the girl will say, some variety of, look, chastity is important for me, and the guy responds, I'm happy to respect whatever you want, or some variety of that. I respect you enough to do that. Please understand, imagine me popping up behind and waving a red flag, because what the person has not said is, I see a value in chastity. I'm willing to do it for you. But as the relationship goes on, I will begin to actually say things like, well, if you're ever open to this, please believe me, I'm right there. If you say sex, I'm saying I made the sheets last night. We're ready to roll. And what you want in a relationship is you want the other person to say, heck, I was going to say the same thing to you. When you're weak, I'm hopefully strong. You know, because there can be points where both people are weak. It needs to be total. So it needs to be free. It needs to be total. This relates to trust. We cannot hide part of ourselves. We must be naked before the other. I don't mean physically. Okay? <laughs> but if you think about it, naked meaning that you can, isn't it beautiful in the garden that the writer of Genesis speaks of nakedness in the garden? They were fully presenting the glory of the human body. This is what we need in a relationship where you can freely express to the other one, particularly when it deals with virtue. You know, I desire to be a saint. I desire to live a holy life. That you can say that to someone. What do you guys think it means to be naked before someone in a relationship? Particularly here I'm thinking about, because some people are, do it inappropriately. I'm speaking about in a dating relationship, serious one. I would say like, Okay, what do you mean? Like, I guess, I don't know, things you wouldn't tell other people, like, I don't know, examples. Vulnerabilities. No, no, that's right. Now, again, not all at the same time. Not all at the same time, but yes. And seeing how they relate to those vulnerabilities. Do they help you carry them? Are they assisting you with them? Faith? Okay. That part, but also like being able to express your weaknesses and not feel judged. 
If you know qualities in yourself that you're not strong, it's often, find, it's often good to find a significant other that has at least some of the areas that you're weak. So like if you're impulsive, finding someone who's more thoughtful. If you're aggressive, finding someone who's a little bit more tempered. Now, you're not going to find a complete, like the opposites attract, but I'm saying in key areas, that's a great helpmate to someone in a relationship. You know, if you're someone who's like really type A, to have someone like slide their hand over and put their hand on your thigh or something to be like, cool down. You're like, okay, I know. My, the person who I love is, I know the sign, okay? Uh, or, you know, having that kind of thing goes a long way in relationships uh, to have some of these areas because they can actually better your areas. Like if you've been working for a long time, there's no better way really to better yourself in certain areas than finding someone who you really love who has that area in spades. Because that sort of calls you to greatness all the time. Anyone else have a comment on that? I know those were two good things. Also, I think opening up spiritually, I think we're, this is hard for us because of where we are. Like learning to pray together. And I don't mean... Let us begin with the Hail Mary in the name of the Father. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I mean like bringing forward intentions like allow us to grow in chastity, allow my weaknesses to be overcome, you know, just seeing friends and family and praying for them and their faith, you know, learning the art of beginning and ending dates in prayer. Even that first time, you can imagine how if you're going on a date with a guy or a girl, and you don't really know much about them. I mean, if you friends first, it makes it easier. But let's say you go on a blind date or something, and you're coming to the end, and you're like, I kind of like the guy, or I like the girl. And you're coming to the end, and you're like, oh, can't go into the prayer because I don't know if they're religious. I didn't get there. I just won't go. No. Head go right for it. Say, you know, I hope you don't mind that we could end the date in a prayer. And if the guy says... I actually do mind. Take your hand and begin moving it like this, okay? That's exactly right. You know. But I'm serious, like learning that helps you to do that. That will be great if someone ever did that. You know, like, I did that. Did you have that? And you've got to have the hard handshake. Like it's like this. You went on a date with an atheist? He didn't know what he, he was getting know, into. I, so he was baptized Catholic, so I went to a wedding, and like um, I was the bridesmaid, and he was the groomsman. So he asked my friend, who was the bride, oh, can you see if that girl would go on a date with me? So then I was like, but I didn't know he was an atheist until after. But I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to go to Mass. So our date was to go to Starbucks and a Mass. Okay, there you and go. And so, yeah, and there so he, go. of course he said yes, because he was baptized Catholic. Oh, yeah, like you haven't been in a while. But then I, like, said bye. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work out right because he was well, spiritual. I didn't know who he was until after. It was fun. Just that picture. This is before. Cool. <laughs> 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 we love the story. It was really fun. Yeah. 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 And 
no, 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 geez. We, we, we need to be, discernment needs to be faithful. We need to know what it means to be with one person in a romantic love. So that means guarding your heart. Now, again, remember where we're at in this. We're speaking about serious dating leading to marriage. We're not at the front part. But what it means to be with one person in romantic love. No one runs up with joy and says, I just got the greatest news. My girlfriend just cheated on me. Give me a high five. You know, no one, we need to learn what that, what chastity is and fidelity. Pornography needs to exit out of relationships. If that is a problem that you have, you need to, if you cannot break it yourself, you must go and there are professionals that can help you with that. That's what a counselor is for. Because what people do is they, try, they say, well, it's not going to be a problem. I'll, you know, handle it. Once, once I have a woman or a guy, it will all be solved. Not true. What ends up happening is it's brought into the marriage and it becomes even more of an issue there. Why does it become more of an issue? Because at some point, I was actually dealing with this over the last couple of years in a couple of different situations. They... In the case of one, a bride found out that her husband was viewing pornography and that what do you think the girl thinks could be the guy too. I'm not attractive enough. The guy needs to go online and look at unknown people. And of course the guy, to be fair to him, when he's, you know, when I was speaking to the guy, he said, it's not that I'm very attracted to my wife. It's that, you know, I've just had this since I was 14 years old. Uh, this, is a, this is a crutch. He's probably telling the truth. I think he was telling the truth, but it's hard to convince his wife that way. So the thing is, is you gotta work on that. Fidelity, when we're speaking about being faithful, it doesn't just mean you're not cheating with another person. Pornography is another form of cheating. It's a different, it's virtual cheating. And so now is the time to really work on that. And that can be men or women, to be fair. Since the moral order reveals and sets forth the plan of God, the creator, for this reason, it cannot be something that harms man to live morally. Something that is impersonal. On the contrary, by responding to the deepest demands of the human needs created by God, it places itself at the service of the person's full humanity with a delicate and binding love whereby God himself inspires, sustains, and guides every creature towards happiness. The reason I say this, even if you're speaking to someone who is non-religious, and this is the reason I say like in these talks, I'm happy, we had one year, we had, we had someone who was Muslim coming to the talk, we were on campus, we had, we had several non-believers. I'm saying the same talk I had for you guys right now, because the thing is, Deep down, we know this stuff is true, even if we don't fully understand it from the theological standpoint. Meaning, I go over to any guy or girl on campus and I say, do you want someone to cheat on you in a relationship? We don't want it because we know we have value. We may do it to other people. We may cheapen the value of sex, but that doesn't mean we want it. It's like a liar who's lied to. It's like a thief who's stolen from. They recognize, even if they do it, you can go to the most hardened thief who's robbing banks and then you go into their house and steal from them and he says, you stole from me. Yeah, and you stole from me. 
So this is the thing. We need to be clear on what we're doing. I'm going to close with this. I'll tell you a story because I like to tell with stories. This is why separating the moral law from love always harms fidelity to God and neighbor. When you separate these things, it creates crazy situations. And people get into weird situations. I've never seen weirder, weirder than why they're trying to do hula hoops to try to explain why immoral behavior is actually good. Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen.